Well, I heard, you know, back in the day, we used to call each other turkeys, which is like dweebs, I guess. <laughs> and I bring that up because it's our Thanksgiving episode, and we'll probably be just talking a lot of turkey. Oh, it's, it's, it's hard to get into an episode to be serious when the one, like, how do we look? You look like a bunch of fucking idiots. So, <laughs> that there was a true commentary with somebody I respect. But it's birthday boy Greg. Hey, hi. I made birthday. it. I'm still recovering from my gig last night. With and I was on with my DVC friends for all the devils. And if you missed that, you really missed a really good show. And MJ got me again, made fun of me. <laughs> so and we very thrilled for our Thanksgiving episode. Who could we not have back? But I had to conjure him up again, wave some Guinness and a plate at the graveyard, <laughs> pull that second president of the United States up. We give a very warm welcome to <laughs> the president of... <laughs> Our second president, what? John Adams. <laughs> Thank you for having me again. So we're just this is sort of like I always think of for Thanksgiving. Well, I played a sock puppet town crier in school <laughs> for Thanksgiving, you know, and I had to realize that. Well, hi, it's a it's a fiesta. We'll go burn some witches if this was true. Fiesta but boogie. I but this is a cool. You know, we used to make those cornucopias out of the. Remember the construction paper? Yep. And put all the cool things. So this is like a cornucopia of topics. We'll talk about Thanksgiving a little, so whatever anybody wants to toss out. But one topic I want to bring up, because we see it a lot now, and I know, you know, you're sort of told to be some way, you know, you're supposed to do this, be good, you don't think about it. But the idea of tipping these days, John and I have been thinking about it a lot. Maybe Greg has. And John? Every sure. time I run out of money, I think about it. <laughs> well, yeah, tipping, it's, it's everywhere I give you a today. tip, we look like jackasses with the fists on <laughs> <laughs> Tipping is everywhere, and it, it doesn't really matter where you go, right, whether it's a full-service restaurant or a counter service, or you go up and place an order, and then they give you the food in a bag at the end of the counter. They're asking for a tip, and some of that I think is justified, and some of it I don't think is justified. What do you feel about it? You know, in some ways, too, it's like I like to tip, you know, being in the service industry, like if I go to a restaurant or something. But I'm just not, you know, I'm not horrible about service, but I'm not going to just do for, you know, if you're really good and everything, obviously, you get a little more, but I'm not just going to be, you know, <laughs> The yeah. thing is, I don't, I don't like the way they're doing it now with the, where they put it on the bill, like estimated gratuity, and, you know, they put it on there as a computation, like, well, like it's actually part of the thing. Like, like it's like they're reminding you, make sure you give us something. You know, and I'm not saying I don't like the tip. I like the tip. Like, we the other night, I just, somebody else paid for the dinner, and I just threw a 20 out there. And, you know, but it, it's just, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's weird. But having said that, like, when I do the gigs... And we pass the tip thing around, and, you know, you end up with $30, $40 a piece at the end of the night. I mean, it makes you feel good. Number one, you're appreciated. Number two, I don't know, obviously it helps your budget, <laughs> you know. Well, certainly. It is income for people, and that's something that is a pretty big topic nowadays in the U.S. because most of the tipping has been a result of a sub-minimum wage, right? right? We're, we're a server... A waitress or a waiter was making three twenty-five an hour, and the customers who went in and purchased food and had that service were expected to compensate that server for their time. And how did that all start, though? Having it be so such a low was it just because they figured you're going to get tips, or or was it just bad trying to get something for nothing? I knew what? at one time how it started. I don't remember any longer. Uh-huh. And, and it really doesn't even matter how it started at this point because we're at a point where Restaurants are charging a premium wage. Now, I'm a business consultant. I worked restaurants for 39 years. Right. I understand the margins are very, very slim for most restaurants. So in order to compensate a server with an actual wage that they could come in and make 15 18 20 $22 an hour and not expect tips to, to make up the difference between, say, what they are paying and minimum wage – the prices of food in a restaurant would have to go up. Right. I understand that. I don't believe that most Americans who are advocating for a what they would call a living wage in a restaurant for a server or so, somebody who's on a tipped wage understand that that increase in payment to a server is going to 
equal an increase in payment from the customer to the restaurant. And I don't believe that the U.S. is actually entirely ready for that, especially in the recession that we're in right now. And everybody says, well, actually, we're a funny not in a recession, right? A funny right. Line, No, we're <laughs> in a depression. Do you think, though, maybe that with the number of younger people, let's face it, like you get a lot of young people working in a restaurant, right? And now do you think the attitude has become like, well, great, now I'm making 15 bucks or Seventeen dollars, so fuck. I don't have to do as much. I don't have to do. I don't need the tips. So they just the service suffers. Do you think that's the, the motivation to work better for the tip is gone or less? Or well, I think you're hitting a bit of a point there, Greg. And and basically, if the tip is an entitlement, then they don't actually have to perform good service in order to make that tip. Correct. Right. Right. And I think that that does happen. I don't think that happens yeah. as often as. As we might think. Right. I think most people who go to work think they're doing a good job. Uh, the problem with that is sometimes they're not doing a good job and you, they don't have somebody in leadership to tell them, hey, you need to improve this. Right. That's a whole separate, yeah. separate yeah, subject. It's a good lesson of socialism where one of my friends, would, she would always say she could make tons of tips at the bar. So good socialist lesson. They would have the thing about like places that would pool the tips. Mm. Right. She hated that. <laughs> well, my son is a bartender in Denver, Colorado, and he works at at least three different places right now that pool tips. And he has no problem with it, but he's much more egalitarian than I am. Uh, he, he likes the whole everybody everybody rises with a rising tide kind of idea. And, and I believe that, but I believe it's individual effort and individual accomplishment that helps other people raise up because they see what they might be able to accomplish and then they work to get there, where his idea is, hey, if we are in this bar and everybody's working hard, then we're we should all, all this, get the same. We're all in this together type that, of thing. That's right. Yeah. I would think more you raise the standards and have people go for the standards, you know, something to meet the goals and everything. Plus, you got to have an honest that. person that's counting the money and divvying it up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, so being serious, we have to continue being serious. How was uh, the Rev... Peyton. Wonderful. Oh, I, that was a great show. Who was that? Uh, Reverend Peyton and his big damn band played in <laughs> Buffalo at Buffalo Ironworks. Have you ever seen them, Greg? No. <laughs> I'll describe them to you. His big damn band. I like they them. look like <laughs> an authentic rock band. They sound like an authentic rock band. They smell like an authentic <laughs> rock band. <laughs> <laughs> They've got a great sense of humor. You know, the, the, the three-part band, including Reverend Peyton, <clears throat> who plays guitar, sings, and his thumb plays bass. His wife, Breezy, is on the washboard and a big drum, and then they have a gentleman on the drums, which I don't remember his name. Fantastic group, though. And the Hootenhollers opened, and I was very, very impressed with the Hootenhollers, so much so that I planned on going to see them at Skylark locally on this last Wednesday, though I had something get right in my way and I wasn't able to do it. Oh, shit. That's I wish missing. I would have known that. I was, like, beyond with the mold out <laughs> in the knee. <laughs> What happened? <laughs> uh, certain someone, I won't mention her name, it sounds like so sexist, but she went to hug me after her gig at Archive. And you got mold spores? And what she what? did, <laughs> what she, you're a bad boy, you birthday boy. And she left up a little bit, and I twisted my knee. Oh, no. <laughs> that just sound like an old, like, <laughs> oh, don't hug me so hard. But later, oh. later in the night, later, later in the night, I was like, this really hurts. No, this really hurts. <laughs> and then you look online, you never want to look online or anything. Well, I had a runny nose, which is death. <laughs> You're dying of knee cancer. Yeah. That's what's happening. So then I looked and goes, well, average time two weeks to two months. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it, then you feel it's never going to go away. <laughs> the aches oh, and pains yeah. as we age, right? Oh, oh, tell boy, me about boy. it. Yeah, but so that was so. How was the concert there compared to here? So I thought that the sound here locally... Um, it was that Iron Smoke here. Right, Iron Smoke in Fairport. was was It was the best I've ever seen them. Uh, the sound quality in Iron Smoke was very, very good. Oh, yeah. The sound quality at Buffalo Ironworks was good, but it wasn't fantastic. Um, and, and that's the problem with a lot of these venues is they have a concept going to a, a space, 
it's not designed acoustically to have bands. And they go, hey, like I want to have bands. The industrial thing where oh, they yeah. take an old so building. That's what I've heard. Sounds bouncing all over. Yeah. yeah. And I actually, I was going to go see Lucero in Essex, but again, me. But I'm going to go see Michaela. And I've heard like a little about Essex. I've heard like ba- the Bauman went to that. Okay. said the sound was good, but I've also heard there's some questions because they've got that ceiling, too. I had a discussion like with that with somebody about that. Like this, it's it becomes so chic. Oh yeah, great. Let's go into an old factory with the pipes still there and the uh, heating ducts and and no, <laughs> that's not how. That's not conducive to music and you know glass and yeah. It, it's become a cool thing to do, but it's not smart. You can't hear anybody talk. Number one, well, it sounds sound like bounces everywhere. Yeah. Everything's high ceilings now, and it's weird. I love the look. I don't like the sound, especially for a guy with terrible hearing. Uh, when when something's bouncing around, I wear hearing aids every day, oh, and yeah. I do not have a directional any longer. I can't tell where a sound is coming from when I hear it, oh, wow. unless I know where the person is and I recognize their voice. So if I'm in one of those high ceiling areas, somebody could say something to me, and I'll be just be spinning around looking to find it's out who's just talking. Just a swirl, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> So you're probably shutting me out right now. Well, I know that you're talking, so I know it's you. In this case, I, I can know exactly where the direction's coming from. But you know, if we are in a crowd and somebody yeah. says, "Hey, John," and and I I'll be looking everywhere because I don't know where wow. it's come from. But if they say, "Hey, asshole," you'd be looking. <laughs> right, I'll know exactly where that came from. Oh, <laughs> you guys, this is gonna be fun. But have you ever? Uh, the question I ask, have you ever, the, I, I would think a band you would love would be the Reverend Horn Heat. You sent me a link. I have not watched it yet. Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, but I've heard great things about thing him. The only about them is I remember, I would put them, they mellowed a bit. I remember the first times I was warned about how loud they were. I, I have a DVD of a live thing from Texas with them. They rock it. Uh, and back in the day, the also, Jim Heath would preach a lot more. Yeah. But so I'm going, like, but they played at uh, Milestones. And I'm going, I don't know if I want to go to this. This great bill that was, like, Super Suckers, remember the Mofos? Uh. Is that the building that was on East Avenue? Yep. But okay. Where the courthouse, kind of where the court building, the library, <coughs> a couple doors down from there. So okay. I go, and they weren't, they weren't anything more than, you know, anybody else in terms of loud, which is good. But the rev was sort of standoffish. I was talking to Jimbo afterwards for a long time. Jimbo, he, brought, he, awesome. he kills it. His drummer is really good, Scott. Somebody or yeah. that guy is really good. I mean, he's got a big, pretty big set for a rockabilly band. I mean, you know, two floor toms and big. You know, it's a rock and roll set. You know, big. And rock. I always have that fascination with the upright bass. I don't know yeah. for some reason. I really just love it. those. Well, rock, it's a different style. Of those rockabilly dudes. Don't they look so cool when they play it? Like. Well, like they, rock, they slap it. Like it's right. a different style. Yeah, you slap something. <laughs> <laughs> you but, make it talk, but, man. But Ryan, Hurley, <laughs> Ryan Hurley for the Grease Creepers, the way he, those, the way his hands, about yeah. it's like the flash, the speed of. <laughs> and I've always terrified though when he does the one part, the the Rev and Jimbo would do too, where they stand on the bass. Oh, yeah. I'm always waiting for that one show. <laughs> oh, foot goes through it. <clears throat> so, I think they have it reinforced, though. I think those guys have those things modified. I'm sure. Well, I asked Ryan about, like, I was like, it's really cool plenty because the pain of the ass carrying it. <laughs> yeah. It's probably heavy. It's probably reinforced with steel. Try to imagine taking it on a plane or something. You would love Grease Creepers, too. What kind of music? It's exactly what we've been talking about. Oh, great. About. Okay. And they play, they, they did their Halloween show at Lux and Gad, in which... Was fun. It was late night, but you know they're good friends of mine, and they sort of play more. But you would exactly everything we've talked about. Have you ever seen them, Greg? No. You'd like what style is it? Rockabilly. Exactly what we're talking about. I, they use the term psychobillies, you know. Okay, yeah. Sort of like that. So one of the most commercially successful rockabilly kind of outfits was the Stray Cats, I think. Oh yeah. I loved the Stray Cats. Well, they kind of brought it back. They brought it into the public view. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I was, I was a kid when they when they were bringing that back into the public view. I had no idea what rockabilly was before the Stray Cats. Right. And after that, I was like, this is a cool kind of music. Yep. But that was like at the end of the seventies, sort of when the fifties were like was like fifties retro, right? Like Sha Da Da, remember Sha Da Da, Bowser Bowman, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and the guy who got lost, in my opinion, was Robert Gordon, who did like a couple albums with Link Rave in the eighties. I have a 
VHS, which I lovingly still have three working VHS players, but I found a Stray Cats from Tokyo or something. Actually, Japan, some videos really I could give you because my kicked it. What's that? I have some videos I could give you. You should, yeah. Because I'll tell you, I I always say this. I I think VHS music videos sound better than DVDs. I just think that the sound quality is better because there's more. The tape is wider and you can fit the frequencies. There's more. The spectrum is better. Because DVDs, everything's compressed and squashed, and it's different technology. I actually have a lot of tapes, like, from Night Flight and <coughs> stuff, too, like old, uh, from I used to tape on VHS. Oh. So, anyway, sorry, I digressed. I remember I was 15 or 16, and I had just gotten out of a band, the only band that I'd ever been a part of, and mainly because I can't then play. Then they became the Beatles. <laughs> but, well, ma- mainly because I can't play music very well, uh, or I didn't put enough time into it, one of those two things. So this gentleman that I knew, who was a little bit older than I was, had a vinyl player. So he had all of these records, and he used to get the master records. And he'd say, I don't like DVDs because the sound isn't the same. And my friends and I, we we protested about this. And, of course, he says, well, let's listen to them side by side. And we brought a a CD player up, and he had his, his album player, his record player, and he played them both, and the record player crushed the CD. Oh, yeah. It was he must have kept his records in really good shape. The guy was Obviously. a fanatic. Yeah. yeah. He it's was like the fan. old Chico Marx joke with Groucho where it's like, $5 we play, $10 we won't play, <laughs> $15 we practice. Well, how much does it cost if to pay you to don't practice? You couldn't afford it because if you don't practice, we can't play. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I I've always wanted humor. to do a skit like that. No, somebody's had to do it. You get like a band that's so bad, you lock the doors, you can yeah, let people right. in for free, they have to pay to leave. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'd like to throw back to the tipping conversation. I don't think that was completed. We okay. well, you've changed well, real quick. What happens is I heard like by Bonaventure and like in Livonia and in the country, they would tip cows. That's a different kind of tipping. Here's some cud. Yeah. <laughs> so well, let's talk about counter service. You walk in, you have a register and somebody taking an order, and right in front of the register is a little bowl or right. jar or something and it's got fifteen, twenty, thirty dollars in it because of the people who've come before you that day, right? Right. What's what do you think is legitimate? Somebody comes up, you order a cheeseburger, fries and a Coke, down about fifteen feet is where they're gonna hand off a tray or a bag. Who do you tip? How much do you tip? Right. Should you tip in that instance? What do you think? It depends on your... I, I mean, I guess it depends for me. It always depends on how much money I have on me. And usually if you're going to fast food or something, you know, you're kind of like, well, you know, I, could only, I only got 10 bucks. I got to get... And then if you only have like a dollar fifteen left or something, you can just throw the dollar in. I you mean, could. and just let it go. I mean, that's kind of what I do. In I mean, that instance... very philosophical today. Right, right. <laughs> so in that instance, these people are making 15 17 18 20 dollars an hour in order to make food for you. Right. They're not a sub-minimum wage. It's not full service. They're literally taking an order, cooking the food, packaging it, and handing it over a counter. So they're not coming to your table to ask if you want to refill on a drink or anything like that. It's all self-service in that sense, where you walk to the counter and grab your tray or your bag. Is a tipping a legitimate thing to do in that in that environment is the question that I'm asking. I guess it goes back to what I said before, is I feel like it's become a sort of a obligation now, and it's expected, and kind of like you're a, you're a bad <laughs> customer or you're a jerk if you don't, mm-hmm. or you're cheap or... You know, I mean, it's a bad connotation now if you don't tip. It's kind of like PC stuff, you know. Right. It's like it's become almost like, oh, man, if I don't tip, this guy's going to think I'm a jerk. And then he's not going to, he's going to ignore me or something like that. It, it's like at a bar. Think, Remember, you're like, okay, if you tip a bartender at the first drink, they're going to come back to you right away every time you want another drink. Sure. If you don't, I mean, that's just the mindset. Hey, this guy's not doing nothing for me, so he can wait. You know? Right. And in the bar situation, you know, when you were 
competing with 20 or 30 other people in order to get somebody's attention, it might make sense I, to tip a little bit more. Oh, sure. Just one of those tangents, because I'm laughing, thinking, so one of my friends, and she's a very virtuous person, and she won't be named, <laughs> I'm bitching at a bar one time about nobody observing me. So she goes, just watch. She leans over the bar, twirls her hair and smiles at the bartender, comes running down. Yeah, like, you want to well, there's that, too. <laughs> Wow. I thought you were going to say she put her boobs on the counter. Or something. <laughs> well, I'm afraid I haven't had implants yet, so I can't do that. <laughs> well, but get going. I was actually thinking of it like I, I won't even, I'll keep her name, just save her reputation in private, but I was out for coffee at a place, and Fred comes up to the person and goes, did you work here years, years ago? And she's like, oh, she goes, well, I was fired for being an asshole. <laughs> and she told the whole story about, well, it's you know, this is like when she was 20. And she said that, well, my mom and my, her mom was like, my dad can't do any, it's like a comedy, right? Well, I called in sick because I was going to a concert in Fredonia. Yeah. And the manager was all worried and called, how is she feeling? Oh, she went to Fredonia. Oh, wow. <laughs> the mom threw her into the bus. Ooh. That's funny. That's like my dad. I would tell my dad, say this, say this. He's like, oh, no, he's here. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. I can hear him in the background. But, you know, this brings up, like, the idea of tipping. This brings up the whole idea of conformity and how people are supposed to conform. They tell you to act one way. There's a, the famous experiment, which is there's like eight people. Now, seven people are in on it, and they'll put up a formula, like something is something equals. The first seven people give the wrong answer. Now, the last person knows it's supposed to be. It's like four plus four equals eight. But the person, most of the time, they find would give the same wrong answer. Wow. Yeah, compliance. I mean, look at it this way. Like, as far as the wage thing... Like, I'm kind of, we, we were, I was thinking about this the other day, too. Like, where I am, it's a certain amount per hour. Okay. So you go to another store, let's, let's say like Aldi's or something like that. They, their hourly rate is better. Now, it's not as fancy, and it's not as, you know, there's not as many bells and whistles and whatnot, but guess what? <coughs> You got people going there because they can make eighteen dollars, nine. You know, and I guess if you're a manager, you could do really well. Or, you know, for three or four dollars more, it adds up. And you know, even if it's not the greatest working environment, you're kind of most people just think immediate. I want more money in the check. And the other thing is, why isn't anybody else adapted to this? Why don't they let the cashiers sit down like they do at all these? I think they do it if you have like a disability or something. But I mean, no, anybody. I mean, I know. I think that's great. I think that's cool because it sucks to stand there and cash people out. I did it once at a cafeteria a long time ago at Kodak at Kodak Park. It was terrible. It was like two hours of like your brain's just whizzing around, and you know. Anyway, but what do you think of that? (laughs) Do you think? Do you think that? It just people just want more money. Or the well, sure. Yeah, I mean, that that's the incentive, right? People do want more money, and that's how these tip jars have popped up all over everything. Somebody, somebody says, "Okay, I want a cup of coffee." So they grab the jar of coffee, they pour the coffee into a cup, they put a top on it, and hand it to you, and expect a dollar for that service. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's performing a function. Is it really service? And. The, Years ago, when I would go into a specific coffee shop, and I knew the specific crew that worked there on an almost daily basis, I was on a first-name basis with 90% of the people. Oh, so they were spiking it with uh, Bushville? <laughs> <laughs> well, when I knew the crew, I would I would tip a dollar at a transaction, and if something you know, were coming up on a holiday or something, a fiber would go into the right. into the tip jar. And because I liked these people, and I trusted these people, and they... They would see me coming through the door, and they'd have my coffee ready when I got to the counter if there wasn't a line. And so you're you're paying for service. Since that experience, which was 15-ish years ago, the only thing that I found has happened in general, this is not in every instance, but in general, is the service level has dropped from people engaging and smiling and saying hello and how's your day and having a conversation and actually providing a little bit of interaction is just pouring a cup of coffee and handing it over a counter. There's no service. It's just a task, right? And and the girl's wearing a nose ring, so I won't tip her because of that. Really? <laughs> Some of my friends wear a nose That's pretty ring, harsh. Dude. That's pretty harsh. No, I'm, I'm, I'm being kind of facetious. But what I'm saying is you got these kids, again, 
And I know I, because I'm an old guy now. <laughs> right, <you> kids. <laughs> he could say whatever. Damn, he lazy, Get no motivation. <laughs> well, no, but they they don't smile at you. They're like, yeah, what do you want? Or or okay, yeah, here. I mean, there's no. They're not even trying sometimes. But, but I like John and then they want fuck the idea <laughs> too of. You have no choice. Remember you were talking about... Oh, so, yeah, popped up on Google just yesterday that in some places, when they take that monitor that they're punching in your order in, and they turn it towards you, and as they turn it towards you, what do they say? They go, it's just going to ask you a question. Right. What does that mean? (laughs) That means, go ahead and tip me, right? Right. And so, it has the 10, 15, 20, 25%. Now, in the case of... In the case of counter service, if you're tipping 25% at counter service and you're not tipping 25% for full service, you're out of your mind. Uh, however, <laughs> in some parts of the country, there is no option for no tip. You can't go past the screen until you select a tip. Yeah. Now, I haven't personally encountered that. If I did, uh, there is. I saw a section that said customize tip. Customize it to zero. How can somebody be so bold to just, it, it's become an entitlement? And I don't have anything wrong, really, at my core with tipping. I, I know I sound like I'm talking against this. I don't have a problem with tipping. Neither. If the crew is giving you service, if the people who you're interacting with are giving you service. But I don't like tipping for somebody who's doing a task, especially when they're already paid uh, higher than minimum wage to do so. And not even putting out much. Well, effort. you know, I That's have my right. my usual weird sense of humor when it hits me, and whenever I see my friends play at the little, I always give a tip. But I decided to do a little further the one day just because I felt like so. Besides putting in cash, what I did was I put in a piece of paper for a tip. Take the take the Dodgers with the spread. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably it's not a tip, tip they appreciate. <laughs> I was at a diner once. I think it was in the Midwest or down south, and it was like three in the morning, and it was not very crowded in there. And it took me forever to get an omelet or something. And they had little they had little survey cards, and and said, "How can we?" better our service or something so I put move the hen house closer to the restaurant and, <laughs> and wow. left it there <laughs> I actually that, I, you, I, I bet you both been to places like that though they're those places that just they're all regulars where like if you stop in them like the, the room stops to look at you yeah. and you sit there forever for service <laughs> yeah but I think there's something too sociological about the tipping thing I think it's become a little microcosm of like, um, like let's say the 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 more younger generation is, they don't think so much. Of, they just think that's what you do. You just you go in there and you get your, you know, your eight dollar coffee. You know, let's say, or your five dollar coffee and your all the different syrups and different things and lattes and and then they just think, oh yeah, sure, and then they just throw in an extra three bucks or something. Because I just think money doesn't seem to have the same. The value of the money doesn't seem to have the same thing to the to the exers and stuff. I don't know. Maybe, you know, I think that, I you know, know, one of the points about even like what we're talking about is nobody should just allow themselves to be spoon fed. Whenever you hear anything, you should try to know about, think about things. Don't just go along because the crowd does. Right. Well, I guess that's what I'm saying too. Yeah, it's just become sort of a yeah. Well, this is what this is the way it's done, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, transitioning from the tipping idea of giving extra money, what do you think about the charitable requests that that you register? You go into Dollar General and they say, hey, would you like to add a dollar to help educate people on how to read? Actually, could have had that picture of us with the hats. Will you help these poor yeah, right. <laughs> What is wrong with these people? <laughs> we want to buy the coloring books to get them. <laughs> I, I have no issues at all with charity either. And by the way, with tipping, I typically tip 20 to 25 percent if there's actual Oh, like we have our lunch coming up 25 years now of the boys having our lunch in. We're not boys anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I usually say no thanks. But we have like the people for that, whoever is our, we just, uh, they have the way to Christmas present. That's great. Because the way we split the bills, just Toss it in. It's Sometimes I'll do a dollar or something at those. I'll see you at the restaurant. Like, is the we? Hey, I'll see. We have a guest waiter today. <laughs> yeah. But see, that's another interesting point. Now, you being who you are and your background, you go to a place, and I'm some kid, 
and I I don't know who you are, and I just act the way I act, and then it, you don't tip as much, and then you're going, what the hell's wrong with that guy? And he doesn't know that you know what's going on, that you've been involved, and, and you know, it's like you're kind of like, well, I didn't get much good service, so this is, the tip reflects the service. I mean, that's the way it's just, that was the whole concept in the beginning, I All guess. Right, and currently, tips are almost an entitlement, yeah. correct? Right. Yeah. Right. It might be on charity, though, too, is do your research. Know right. who you're giving money Make to. sure your money's going to who you're giving the money to. I get so much junk in the mail. I don't, I generally I have don't my local call things I give to. I know it's going for something good. I actually, Louisville Boxing, which is a great cause, in my opinion, and I give to them. And I've seen, actually, some of these kids now going pro on how good they're doing. Sounds like Rob is advocating for children to punch people. That's right. (laughs) Violence in our streets. Don't we have enough, Rob? (laughs) Now Greg's going to come and you two are going to (laughs) blame. It's because Rob gave to that charity. That's right. Everything I did, I punched you because somebody cared. I get a a letter. I get a letter like before... People, I was just fine. I couldn't, you know, I felt like timid, but now I just punch people out. It's all because you helped me when I needed to. <laughs> I have a way to Thank express you so myself. <laughs> so we're really giving thanks for a lot of stuff on Thanksgiving, but it is Thanksgiving episode. But I was going to ask you, for the Native American perspective, what have you seen about, how do they feel, how do you think about Thanksgiving these days? It, it, it depends on who you ask. It really I'm really using does. the term Native, you, right. know, you know, I'm just... And so... Uh, for you anybody that does my preferred pronoun. My my ethnic background is uh, Irish, English, and Mohawk. So alcoholic. <laughs> uh, it's a thing. It really is a thing. You know, it's it's holds a grudge. That is something <laughs> yeah. that many many in my family on on both sides have have struggled with, and it's definitely a thing. So you have to make your choices, right? You have to make your choices, and so. On the native side, talking to my cousins. Oh, sorry to interrupt. Though. What do like natives themselves prefer in terms of being called like that? Their tribe Na- or native. natives? Native or indigenous, or by their by their tribe. You know. See, right. I like indigenous better than native for some reason. But see, I always say it's the what you are. You gave your choice what you want to be called, not what like some other person said you should be called. Well, when I was growing up. They all called, you know, we, we all called ourselves Indians because there wasn't really any other uh, concept of something larger because that's what everybody was taught growing going to school. The people who were in, in this area, the geographic area of the United States before the pilgrims arrived were Indians. Right. That's... That's Did all we knew, right? Did you ever hear right? it in school? They Greg? were actually natives or right. indigenous peoples. Did you ever I, hear it in, in school, though? I just I still remember to this day, Skoom, for the four, five tribes. No. Seneca, Cayuga, Amaria. Okay. I'm freaking mold allergies. <laughs> no, it's not the, it's the Mohawks, not the mold allergies. <laughs> right, right, right. My, it went up my nose as I was trying to say Oneata. <laughs> but no. I still remember that to this day. Originally the five good. nations and now the six nations. Yeah, I... I've always felt that the Native Americans are just such uh, overlooked and they're just such a raw deal and just so why we go to such lengths for certain groups of people and not others is, is kind of boggles my mind and it, it bothers me. Well, if anything, they, the Native Americans should have been front and center of getting a fair deal. And, and more rights and all that. Well, the reality was they were a conquered people, right? Right. And when you have a conquered people anywhere oh, in, the, yeah, in the world, anywhere in the world, they are a population that's pushed aside subjugated, and yeah. subjugated. Those people are are not respected, and that's exactly what's happened over many, many years. Now, it might be changing in the U.S. right now, and I hope that it is. It, it is little by little, but it just seems like it's we're working to help a lot of other folks first and I don't know it's just yeah it's just weird well I'll tell you there are two people two types of people in the United States that do not really have control over uh, specific um, actions and decisions in their lives so when you live on a reservation as a native 
you don't own your house, you don't own the land, right? You own your personal property, like your bed and your clothing and your car and that sort of thing. But your house and your land are they're administrated by the Bureau of Indian Affairs. It's kind of like right? back to the surf days, right? Like the the Lord and Master type thing or whatever well, land owner thing. <laughs> in a sense, it's it's designed to preserve that for the next generation. So yeah. if I was living on a reservation and I wanted to sell this property to Rob, and I sold that property to Rob, then that property is no longer available for the next generation. Oh, right, right, that makes sense. And yep. So that's the idea, to preserve this area. However, if you don't have autonomy as an individual over land or, or housing, what does that mean? Well, there's another group of people that... It's the disabled, right? The, right? the mentally disabled, the people who cannot take care of themselves, the people who have to have other people making decisions for them. This is this is what the Native people are facing in the U.S. when they live on a reservation, is they actually do not have the decisions. They don't have the ability to make decisions, and they don't have the authority to make decisions for their lives in the property that they live on. And so they're told this is how you need to use your property. This is where you need to live. Right. Uh, so it, it's different than every other group. It's, it's true. Yeah, well, I never thought of, the, of it that I was right. really influenced That's by really Russell true. Means' his books, More White Men Fear to Tread. And he was talking about just uh, in terms of how the reservations were. And he was saying his fear was that the government was trying to turn America into one big Indian reservation. Well, you know, when you ask the Native people whether we should have government involved in our lives, what do you think the answer is going to be? Hell no. Every now and then, sorry. <laughs> going to be no. Oh, hell no. <laughs> no, and he was saying, he also there's some good speeches from Russell about how Marxism is an anathema to their way of life. Well, you know, th this is a very, very complicated subject and one that I'm not super, super versed on. I mean, I, I have family who live on the reservation. I actually, when I went to see that show just last week, uh, Reverend Payton, one of my cousins, joined me, who no longer lives on the res. He actually lives off the res. He decided to go and purchase his own home and have autonomy for his life. But I, his brothers, many of his brothers, still live on the reservation. Mm. And uh, that being stated, you can ask different members of a family how they feel about that system, and you're going to get different answers almost from each pe each person. Because it's just like everything else, right? Where you have a different idea of government than I have. We might be very similar, but there's going to be some differences. And that's how it is. Is there a lot of that resignation? Like, well, this is where I am and this is where I'll stay and there's no hope. And there's some of that, of yeah. course, yeah. And, and when you go on to a res and you drive down one of the roads, it's a very interesting thing to observe because you'll have... One house that's just beautifully kept. They keep their lawn. They, it's clean. Everything's where it ne it's supposed to be. Uh, they have they have garbage cans and they have barrels and they have garages and they're all organized. And then you go to the next house over and there's literally garbage strewn across the lawn. Right. And you can have two or three houses just like that in a row. And then you'll have two or three houses that are beautifully kept. And it's just like everybody else, right? If you go into neighborhoods, you see some people who keep their homes really nicely, and you see some people who don't keep their homes really nicely. Yeah, well, even and when I you go down see, yeah. to get, like, the cigarettes down there. Well, see, my like, dad used to go to the there, you know, There's all the kinds of weird stuff going on. And I'd go, like, you know, before gas was a lot, lot cheaper than there. But, like, my dad would go on his cigarette runs. So we go down, the, the farther he went into the res, the more deals. But there was the one place we went to, and I always remember, because the guy at the door... Reminded me of Wolverine, Logan. You got to you always give you the <laughs> <laughs> little tip of the hat or yeah, the wave. If anybody should be in on the weed thing, the pot thing, it, it should be the natives. I mean, I think they should get first shot because that's, I mean, they're already doing it. But, and you know what I mean? This whole thing of getting guys that have been, well, we arrested you and you've been in jail, so you get the license first. Well, so did you ever hear the old joke, too? <laughs> In terms, did you ever hear the old joke, and I'm not going to use the name because it'll get demonetized, but, oh, they, one of my friends said, imagine, like, 
the result of a New England and Washington Super Bowl. New England cheats and steals the stadium. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but how do you feel about the terms of, have you ever oh heard like God. anybody, their views on native sport team names? Oh, Con. yeah. That, I'm, I'd love to hear that. Cause, but one thing I want to say about Washington, again, I'm not going to say the old name because, you know, YouTube and everything else. But that logo, I always say, get rid of the stupid name they have now. Come up with something more respectful. But bring back the logo. It was ju- designed by a Blackfeet chieftain. No, it's legit. Well, it, it's legit for that guy. And for some people who maybe part of the Blackfeet tribe didn't like it. And so... There again, we have this huge variance of opinions on what this is. Some some people who are in the Native communities don't care at all about that, and others care a great deal about that. See, now I've heard, like, one of my friends, Native, would say, like, I knew, like, people, you know, they hated it. They hated, like, any, like, high schools or anything that had it. But some others will say, and I've seen groups speak for it, of Native saying, it gives us some representation. That's right. true, it does. It absolutely does. But, like, some of them, like, wasn't it the Cleveland Indians? That wasn't the the picture of the guy? I mean... Well, he it cheap was, wahoo. He, and he was, like, like a grimacing and, like, Yeah, he mean. looked like a ding-dong. Like, like he's going like to, you know, knife you. Not even that, but he looked like, you know, old cartoon version of... Right, right. Idiotic. Right, with the feather and the... Woo, yeah. You know, that stuff. Yeah, it's, I, and some of that is just born from a complete ignorance about the local... Tribes and, and what they actually look like. Well, I mean, come on, those any ask any of the fans. Okay, can you tell me anything about like Seminole culture? About this? Oh, they're they're what? I think TV has tr- sort of been better at that. Like Yellowstone and that show. Um, what's the show about the sh- the guy in Mon- in, in Wyoming? Longmire. Longmire. Those are, are pretty good depictions, I think, of the of the struggle and the and the the situation. You know, like, because you got the reservation, there's the res police, and then they can't do certain things, and then they got to bring the other guys. If you ever want to read it, I think you'd really like a two job. There was Jason Aaron wrote this comic book. You can just get a graphic novel called Scalped. It's about crimes on a res. Oh. And all the corruption by the tribal council. It's like mm-hmm. a little almost like mafia. Wow. Really, really well done. Well, there's, there's that too. There's crime on a res just like everywhere else. Right. And corruption in the administration, just like everyone else. I don't know how they haven't made this into a miniseries, though, or something yet. I mean, it's it's incredibly good. No, and again, we always, you know, when we have our killer clown on our musicians, we don't talk to deeper (laughs) topics. But we're not putting out any right answers or wrong answers. You know, if you like what you're hearing, and of course you do, because it's us, (laughs) go research for yourself. Think, but hope you think about things. That's right. Get Uh, philosophical. Dig, dig deep. You, we we each thrown out a couple names of the different tribes in the U.S. Yeah. How many people, were there? Six six hundred basically. Oh, it was <laughs> hundreds. Actually, uh, sorry, I was thinking of venomous snakes. <laughs> well, I, I think you're I think you're right on that. You know, when you talk about the the old maps of of the different tribes, uh, there was somewhere around close to six hundred. My my number that I'm thinking of is five hundred, but that could be that could just just you know, it's between, low. it's here, there, we might right. not have known about this, that. Well, I, I mean, the thing is, if you take Rochester as a geographic region, right, there was a different tribe in Rochester than there was in Buffalo. You know, you're talking 60, 50, 60 miles away. I don't know right? these days. They think, I, I think they think the Bills are our team here themselves. <laughs> <laughs> the Bills. People are so happy with them right now. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll t- I was going to tell a joke about. And they killed the messenger. Well, I would tell I, I would tell a Bill's joke, but I forgot it halfway through. <laughs> oh, <laughs> kind of like oh. how they forgot their play. I don't oh, <laughs> that's a rub. I was going to buy Josh Allen's coffee, but I fumbled it on the way to the, <laughs> the cashier. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> and then, but somebody said, "I'll get you one." They tried to throw it to me. Some guy intercepted it. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Rob, you are. I'm staying quiet that's on this a, one. That's a cu- those are some cutting comments. You want me to be the bad guy and the show Greg be the good guy? <laughs> it's good. <laughs> I, yeah, you were talking to the Your wrong guy. Your joke was wide, right, here. Greg? Yeah. <laughs> football let's, uh, on me, I don't get it. Let's follow up on that conversation on charitable giving at the register. Okay. Uh, I mentioned a reading program through Dollar General, which aren't. I think that's a great idea to have a reading program for people that that are illiterate. 
Um, however, we have absolutely no idea really what happens when we take that dollar and hand it over to another organization that's going to administer right. it to a charity, correct? Right. And what happens also is if we have a charitable giving, which we could potentially have privately with our own tax as a write-off, two, three, four, five hundred bucks, right? Write yep. off a little bit of taxes. You're giving your money to another organization. Now they get the write-off from your money. Right. Interesting idea. I think an idea, though, is just have them listen to the carnival. It's free. They'll learn tons. Yeah. <laughs> well, every bit of your dollar. They don't have to read. They can just listen. <laughs> That's a good point. We'll Craig. recommend a book every week. <laughs> it, you know, that goes back to incentive. You know, if if somebody who is running a corporation wants to do one of these programs, one of the huge incentives for one of these programs is that that organization is going to get the tax write-off right. from other people's money. Uh, I told you before, I used to work at a local retailer that sold their items for a dollar. And one of the things that we were instructed to do when we worked there was go around and five the twos and threes and fours types items, which were just kind of hanging out and not selling on the on the shelves and pull them all up to the front and put them in the impulse aisle. <laughs> oh, we put them in a box right yeah. at the register and it would be, would you like to purchase this for charity? And people would just pony up the money all day long. They yeah. pony up the money. And so the items that we weren't selling through on, we could, we could then take those and put them in a box and they would go out to a local charity, which that's good. That's smart. Great that it's doing that. And it's, it's really neat that somebody's getting that as a, as uh, gift received, but it wasn't out of an altruistic sense. It was out of, we're not selling this. Let's take it to the register and tell people we're donating to charity. And it did get donated, but the reason it was being donated wasn't because we were, nice guy. as a company, <laughs> nice people and wanted to donate to local charities. It was because we wanted to get rid of that product to make room for the next. Yeah, well, business, I mean, you have sometimes business... You have to just do things for business sake. And I I'm thinking I don't too. I, mean, I think like too, especially for poor to... kids, how like a toil mean to them too. Sometimes I was thinking when I was in Russia. So one of the things they said was like actually bring like 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 juicy fruit gum or something, right? So I'm at the circus, somewhat sober from, <laughs> but I see <laughs> the like, vodka had worn off. <laughs> I don't think, I mean, I was in a haze pretty much. I, I'm still glad I actually with Putin there, I worry about that Russian flag I stole. <laughs> oh, boy. But, so, but the one, so I'm at, so this is like a Soviet family there, and I got to like, pack these juicy fruit gum, and I'll, this always sticks in my head where I offered it to the kid, and like, these days be arrested, man, right there. You know, but so the kid actually looks at his parents, and they go, they give, the way this kid, like, these days, a kid guy gives kids gum now. It's like asshole throwing at you. The way this kid held the gum and looked at it, it's like I can't forget that. Wow, and that's, that's like cool. one of my things I always say from being like a country like that. That's some time where I have my own brand of patriotism, where this place is like the you know den of all evil. Well, look at like, back in the world. Go, yeah, try going to any of these, you, you'll kiss the ground here. Look at the World War Two stuff, man. A bar of chocolate was like you'd kill for a bar of chocolate. You know what I mean? Or, or the, I the might still kill for the, a bar of chocolate. The stockings and all that stuff. Yeah. Stuff was just scarce, you know. Mm. Yeah. I mean, because they forced it to be scarce because that's all part. The money goes somewhere else. It's like, okay, we're not going to make cool stuff. We're going to make guns rationing and planes and, everything. and rationing, yeah. I mean, I listen to these old radio shows and they they still have the commercials or, or some of the storylines. You know, there's a Green Hornet one about, I had to throw in the comic book thing. <laughs> Next week. But, <laughs> but they, they even had a the rationing story where the gas coupons, these guys were black, black marketing gas coupons, you know, wow. and all that stuff, you know. So it is, we're winding down a bit, it is supposedly a Thanksgiving episode, so. Oh, we haven't talked about Thanksgiving. <clears throat> so a little bit about just Thanksgiving memories and how the day is for everybody. And my well, old allergy interrupts again. I always used to like. We used to go bowling. <coughs> a lot, we did too every year. And or else on Thanksgiving, it, yeah. Then really. it kind of changed to movies, watching like whatever movie they have on every year, Wizard of Oz or some crap or something. But yeah, we used to bowl. Yeah, you'd go bowling and. You no, know what they would have on in the morning years ago on WR it wasn't Godzilla, 
but it was Laurel and Hardy, the music box, but then oh, there's yeah. a 66 Batman movie out. Oh, yeah, that's great. I mean, no, I'm kidding. I mean, I watched the parade once in a while, and I, I don't just, think I've ever watched the Macy's Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. I, I've seen clips of it. I've never actually watched it. I would watch it if it had a thing of my idol. <laughs> well, it's just so kind of funny. Though. It's like you know, it's like you're star- you're looking, you're watching it. And it's like, yep, and here comes Underdog. Okay. <laughs> I have seen some of the YouTube videos of those giant inflatables getting caught in yeah, buildings. Right, right. Those are fun to watch. No, right. but I mean, I think all I like about Queen's like, Way. There's like a sameness to it, really, for me, where it's not like in the old days. One of the funniest memories we ever have. Like one year, you know, my dad is a great source of comedy. He forgot to cut the chestnuts; they blew up in the oven. Oh, jeez. <laughs> But we wow. had the best war, baby. Like, with three stairs that went down at the house. So, with, there's like a, a railing, and you just throw your coat there. So, like, I must have thrown my coat and missed. It was on the stairs. <laughs> so, my dad gets the turkey. He's going to take it down. She <laughs> goes flying with the turkey. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's awful. Poor turkey. I was thinking the other day, like, what, what, what if the, the original Thanksgiving dinner was not a turkey? It was like a, a flamingo or a swan or something. I mean, it's still a bird, right? I mean, it could have been a Thanksgiving bird. I don't know. You know. What so, if What if they were starving and they ate some of their fellow colonizers? That was the original Thanksgiving dinner. It could almost be like Festivus. Yeah. In the old style, like, we need to sacrifice one of the group. Yeah, right? <laughs> no, but I mean that's still. But a lot of people like they've been going out with the question about is there a favorite? You're side doing a great like thing or? for your for the for the group. <laughs> I love mashed potatoes. Oh, me too. Mashed potatoes with butter and gravy, unbelievable. Well, since I was sick there, uh, that's like my go-to. You mm. know, it's like one of the things I can eat that doesn't. Because that's know, the Irish side of me coming out. I just remember though too going to Springdale Farm. We still go down there sometimes. See Ricky the hog, mm. but there's field trips down there, and they had this biggest turkey I've ever seen there. It's like a real big gobbler. So it's like ah, turkey, you're a kid. It looks really cool. Blows out this huge fart on you. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it was a big turkey. You know, talking about Thanksgiving and and the native issues. Uh, my cousin who I was with last week, he shared something via messenger the following day, which was Thanksgiving was the first welfare line. Ah, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so that, that's a little, that's a different perspective, and and I totally understand where he's coming from on it. But uh, my memory of Thanksgiving when I was young was the entire family, meaning all of the aunts, uncles, and cousins, would come together in one place. And we'd all have dinner. It would be 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And after everybody was done stuffing themselves silly, the men would go into the living room to watch football. And right. the women would clean up whatever was left over. And that's just the way it happened. When, so you're talking about the good old days is what you're talking well, about. Well, <laughs> you know, I was never into football. And I, I, was, I, I was never into cleaning up really either. I hated that. Right. But it is what it is. You've got to do it. Well, there is the big um, political I, divide, though. A clear or berry one. cranberry sauce. Yeah. You know, I don't mind either one of them. Yeah. I like them both. Yeah. I was the same way, though. I would just watch the games because everybody else did. Well, when we, did, we like, were kids, we would have everybody had our neighborhood had turkey bowls. Yeah. You know, the, the football game we played? Yeah. Because I was talking to my friend Rob about, like, the days of our pickup football team. We used to get, this is like, in high school, we would come and destroy like high school teams, and they would keep bringing more people, and we would keep <laughs> beating them. That's awesome. But I, I did. Time, I remember once when I was younger, I did a. I got involved with one of those things where you brought meals to people, and that really made me feel good. And and some of these, I mean, the, some of the folks, you show up with this bag of stuff, and they're just like over the moon, you know. And you're just, and and they really were thankful for it. I mean, hence the. The whole thing, I guess, but you know that kind of stuff. If it if it was more along those lines, I mean, I guess then I think that's the true spirit. Just like Christmas, it's the true spirit is peace and goodwill and all that. 
So holidays have just gotten so. Wacky. I've gotten grumpy about like like that little ever since like that hooker in the motorized wheelchair asking for money for drugs. <laughs> it's really just traumatized me. I was like trying to be. <laughs> I think I'm traumatized right now. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine some of the things. Never mind. Oh, my goodness. And it just did. I said, I'm done. You know, for a while, like, somebody, I guess for the size, somebody up, maybe here was, like, done. Sorry. You get to ride on the chair while, never mind. Oh, and Greg oh. complained about, oh, for Thanksgiving, complained about people laughing at Nosferatu for clearing a coffin. Yeah, well. John's looking at us, oh, these guys smoke something before we get <laughs> here. All right, here's a question for you. White or dark meat? White. Rob? White. I'm a dark meat guy. All right. So, but... I like them both. I'll definitely choose the dark meat before the white. I like the oily, rich flavor. I of think the dark meat. I like the dark. I like dark meat as like maybe like as leftovers. So sometimes like when you because it, it's crispy like you oh said, mixed yeah I like the crispy but then you, Greg you have to I think John was looking at this like what are you talking about for Nosferatu in the car? oh <laughs> yeah yeah it's a silent. The silent oh, I'm, I'm aware of what, yeah. I'm aware of what Nosferatu is. Saw but there was that the one thing. scene where yeah. he shows up in the village and he's carrying the big coffin and he's just and it's you know cranked high you know over cranked and he's fast and everybody's laughing and I start well you know they're supposed to be strong so of course he could carry the but the whole concept is like when you know the average person moves to a place he's got a few suitcases and stuff this guy's got his cut well I got everything I need you luggage <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A coffin and some dirt from the homeland. I see a lot that's more it. weird things on Monroe Avenue late night than seeing like that's President right, carrying yeah. a coffin. Probably yeah. some that were scarier too. That's another issue, man. Monroe Avenue is like to me is turned into the Bowery. It's it's just a shame what's going on with that. But thirty new. years ago, I worked for a guy, and we were doing door to door sales. And thirty years ago, we had a group of people, ten or fifteen of us, that were doing door to door sales. And out of the group, there was two or three of us that were on Monroe Avenue in one week and the guy's commentary was why would you go to the armpit of Monroe County to try to sell what we're selling <laughs> <laughs> wow well there you go now I have a lot more pleasant memories of Monroe Avenue than Me that too. for sure yeah Me I bet some of your most pleasant memories you can't remember <laughs> well there's well, been some of those too I remember the Pope Park Avenue that whole when I was in school and stuff and you could get a house and get a bunch of guys in a house and everybody kicks in 80 bucks a month or something and you could have a house you know or half a house and all the stores were nice and you had the bars and and you know just for the listener's sake greg did just turn 70 this right. was a while ago. yes right and and <laughs> i seem to remember life used to be better than it is now nothing's good now nothing <laughs> rotten kids <laughs> nothing no respect Back in my day, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, no. But seriously, you know, then the, the prices change. You had the oil embargo. Then all these weird things started to happen in the late seventies. Everything so. changes. I know. It's like it's no. one of the weirdest things. Like constant, when, right? when I lived in Alexandria and I came back here, it's like, well, first thing I almost died because I'm going to go back to. My parents' house, I didn't realize they dug out the road. And you dipped all it. Almost went flying like <laughs> evil can evil. Wow. You know, but I think everything, you know, I want to do a serious study. Everything went to hell when Tahoe started closing at 8 o'clock. That's right. Oh, what a terrible time. But who knows? But there is a lot to be thankful for. We're here. Yeah, it's great. It's just, oh. become, a, it's just become an early night situation lately, and nothing stays open past 10 I mean, by midnight last night, I was we were packed up. The bar was shut. You know, the chairs were on the bar, and you know, eleven thirty. I talk so. actually to Bobby T a lot at the bug John. We keep going. Like Bobby, like it's like Bob. Well, I, he, Bobby's one of his funniest lines is like, "Well, you know, the kid, kids go to Water Street. They started his concert at six. They go, oh, man, I'm not even up by. I used to not even be up by then. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, said, I said, man, the first time I ever came here, it said show at night. I'm sitting there, and everybody's like, what's this idiot doing here? And I, I mean, Buffalo, you don't start till ten. Sometimes ten. Well, they're open till four yeah. though, too. I think. Yeah, but I mean, only certain counties. But I remember, like, you know, Eric Wachowski and I were talking, and I was like, say we should really talk about. Like some of the early days of the bug chair, we were just, he looks at me and go, 
either of us remember those days. Yeah. <laughs> but well, I remember they wouldn't even start till after twelve, but now they are trying to. Yeah. Move it up. Yeah. And then plus it gives you a chance to go to other places. If you, actually, if you can kind of figure out your, your night, well, a couple hours here, a couple hours there, then you can kind of pub New, new fun do. place I kind of, uh, mm. showered to Hannah Widener, and her Candy Montgomery thing's really fun too, but my mom's home booking, they do Little Shop of Hoarders once a month. Uh. And you go there, it's like you, they, you have to be out by 10, and it's a lot of fun. It's like, it's just a really mellow, sort of low key thing. What time was that show you saw? With, uh, eight, eight o'clock, and it was over by eleven. Well, that's that's yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, but that's that's pretty reasonable. That's what I did last night, eight to eleven. And then, then that's well, thing. everything is everything is three hours now. There's no more four hours. I mean, there's no more ten to two and all that nine to one. I mean, it just. It's, I mean, it's okay. I mean, how would you like the band back like in the days of the sixties, like the Beatles or something? Well, Greg, well, we're gonna play seven two-hour sets today. It'll be yeah, <laughs> eight hours. Can you even know, imagine eight that? Hours. Yeah, they did, what is that? That was their time in Germany, right? Where they right. were doing yeah. ten-hour days or twelve-hour days. I can't even imagine taking those little I, white I pills. wish I'd see it. There's some photo out there. It's got to be where I guess like they came out. John's got a toilet seat around his head. <laughs> 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 I just started watching a thing yesterday. It was a documentary <laughs> Quello. And it was uh, the Beatles, the early years, they called it. And it was kind of cool. They had, like, you know, modern interviews with, like, Pete Best and their first manager and things like that. And they were talking. The guy was pretty straight up. He said, well, we didn't know we were going to make history. We were just doing Nobody it. Nobody knows. With the flow, I mean, you know? the Stones were the Stones. Yeah. And who were they? They were just, you know, if things didn't go that way, who knows what. Like, I think Paul could have been, like, a Cliff Richards-type pop guy. Probably. But you might, like, John could have been, John probably be in jail. But, like, George or Ringo, I think Ringo, Ringo or George was going to, you know, big thing for them going to the civil service like Pete Best did. Well, they've said it many times in interviews. They were, they were a gang. They weren't, they weren't, uh, they Best, weren't like though. criminals. So they were you a get gang. a civil service job. You know, you were, whatever happened, there's a lot of theories. And you're going on your civil service job, you're going to yep. retire. Then the anthology comes out and you're over a meter. Yeah, right. It's like about time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, throwing the Stones uh, name out there. I, I did see just online yesterday that scientists have reconstructed what the original man would have looked like, right? And it was wildly like Keith Richards. <laughs> he was the original man. man. <laughs> so what am I guess I will leave, like, unless anybody wants to say anything else, I will leave with, and I'll say whoever the song by, but one of my best jokes for a review, sometimes I like to read bad reviews, it's like one of my things, are, so I see Ruby Tuesday, and I see there's like a bad review, and so I comment, and I go, if Mick Jagger, Keith Richards are on Winter Survey, you expect them to come back? Yeah. <laughs> So, speaking of real quick of Thanksgiving, Black Friday, I'm going to play at Record Archive at 1 p.m. Nice. And later I'm playing at Abilene with this blues guy, which I have no idea who he is. He's from New York City, and I got asked to play it, and I'm going in there cold, so who knows? But it's going to be an interesting day. You come up, you you say, okay, I'm ready to play with the blues guy. Blues? He said bluegrass. Yeah, right. <laughs> Where's the fiddle? <laughs> Yeah, we want you to beat out one of those washboards. Okay, I can get... I have one. <laughs> yeah, John will be back soon again. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I love it because we don't... You, you're you're much more... Um, yeah, we have musicians on the... Uh, kind of we usually have musicians like us or Duros or whatever. Yeah. So, But did anybody get called the turkey when they were kids? My friend Rob and I were going... We used to call each other turkeys all oh, the yeah. time. All the time. So I have a fitting... I still get called a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> Mainly from my fiancé. <laughs> but Turkey. so I thought this was the perfect Thanksgiving song from our good friend Greg Townsend. Oh. Go see Greg at Abilene on the twenty second of December. He doesn't play much around here. It's an early show. Okay. And this is about that one thing that will lead to misery on Thanksgiving, and it's my family reunion. Ah, and you know how... And I'll tell you one of the funny <laughs> stories. <laughs> that too. But what, I would take my dog. It was like a tradition. I would take my dog for walks around Unity on Thanksgiving. And all you would see were all the people in emergency from the family fights. Oh, <laughs> oh gosh. I know, right? Yeah. Well, that's the other thing, man. Holidays are notorious for bringing up bad blood and bad feelings. And who knows? I, you know, yeah. 
It's like I heard a great line on the Blue Bloods uh, one episode. They were talking about, and you might appreciate this. They say the the one daughter says, "Yeah, well, they have Irish Alzheimer's," and then the guy's like, "What's that?" He goes, they they forget everything but the grudge. <laughs> 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 That's great. Well, I wish everybody a wonderful Thanksgiving. All right. Gobble. Same here. Gobble on. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> Uncle Walter, he's just out on parole. Cousin Sue, she'll try to save your soul. Michael. 